0: Welcome to America's favorite wellness hour, healthy by nature with certified clinical nutritionist, Marty Whittakin.
1: Welcome to healthy by nature. We have a fabulous show coming up and I really wish I could start that now. And I would, if I could, but many of the radio stations across the country play news at the top of the hour. So, um, They can't miss any of the guests, so we do something different in this first little segment. Now, two weeks ago, when I was interviewing uh, Dr. Ross Pelton, I interrupted the discussion about gut bacteria to talk about heartburn drugs. And I thought today I'd briefly go back into that topic for a couple of reasons. One, it's just something I'm passionate about, but. Also, it's such a good example of the difference between the healthy by nature approach and that of conventional medicine. Many billions of dollars are being spent every year on drugs to stop the production of stomach acid. Yes, that does keep the stomach acid from burning the esophagus, but because stomach acid is absolutely essential to health, there are serious side effects to the long-term use of that kind of medication. There are things like hip fracture, dementia, kidney disease, cardiovascular trouble, and more. The Healthy by Nature plan is to figure out the root cause of heartburn. That is almost never stomach acid per se, but rather that the acid is getting somewhere it doesn't belong. Changes in what and how we eat plus dietary supplements can solve the problem and offer fringe benefits instead of side effects. For more information, visit the digestive section of the library on hbnshow.com or read my book, Natural Alternatives to Nexium and and Other Acid Blockers. There's a picture of the book on the homepage of our website, hbnshow.com. While I'm not a fan of knee-jerk, blind over-dependence on drugs, they do certainly serve a critical importance. And when they're needed and not used, it can be a grievous mistake and we're going to talk about that when we come back from this first break. And um, I have to tell you that I don't bring up my book, which I do very rarely. My publishers probably wouldn't want to hear that but um, because of the money, I mean the thing sells for like 95 or used three395 and I get, I don't know, 50 cents or something. It's not, um, when I look back at the time I spent to write it and to look into those thousand studies that I based it on, not minimum wage. It's like those cakes that I bake that I show, um, I have a link to in my bio on the website. Um, Yeah, not for the money. I would starve to death if that was the case. It's because people need this information. Lives are being lost because of just lack of this information. So do take it seriously. If you know somebody taking these drugs, get them the information and save them from those side effects. This is Healthy by Nature. I'm Marty Whittakin. We will be right back.
3: Wouldn't you like to eliminate bacteria, odors, dust, pollen, pet dander, and other allergens from the air in your home and office?
0: Welcome to America's favorite wellness hour, Healthy by Nature, with certified clinical nutritionist, Marty Whittakin.
1: I am so excited today to welcome to the studio multiple award-winning author, John Leake and our own Healthy by Nature hero, Peter McCullough, M.D. Their brand new book is The Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalization and Death While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex, They kindly came into the studio. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Well, this book, I had an inkling it was coming and it's certainly needed because we've got to document what has happened over the last couple of years, and anybody who only followed the government talking points blindly and didn't tap into common sense— uh, if they had the IQ of a lima bean, must know that there's something really wrong. And we're here to find out what that is and what we can do about it. So, John, your first book was Entering Hades, The Double Life of a Serial Killer, which sounds really interesting. And then another one, Cold a Long Time, An Alpine Mystery. So that begs the question, how did you get into this field and join forces with Dr. McCullough.
4: I come out of the true crime genre. Um, my first book, "The Entering Hades: a Double Life of a Serial Killer, I just kind of stumbled upon it. I was living in Vienna, Austria, where I went on a graduate school scholarship and ended up living in the city. And I stumbled across this crazy true crime story. It had forensic medical aspects to it. One of the primary witnesses for the prosecution. She really helped the police, was a forensic doctor in Vienna, and I became friends with her and actually did some translation work for her at the Vienna Institute of Forensic Medicine. So I I developed a kind of knack for reading forensic medical literature, um, which stuck with me, and then fast forward several years, 2020, SARS-CoV-2 arrives, First in Milan, that was the first big hot spot. And then it comes to our shores. And I began to follow the official policy pronouncements, which were you know, reiterated in the mass media to sort of ad nauseum. And I thought, there's something very strange going on here, the representations that are being made about this. And so I thought, I, I want to investigate what's going on but I quickly realized I, I need a top medical authority. There's elements to this that are very highly technical, medical in nature. So I began thinking, where do I find a truly top medical authority, like somebody who's really, really ranking um, at, at the institutional level who, who could help me? And But then the next question was, well, if I find such a guy, you know, will he have time to talk to me? And ultimately, through some twists and turns that we document in our book, I, I met Dr. McCullough he's almost exactly a year ago. And we had a great interview in studio, which was immediately censored by YouTube. I wanted to put it on YouTube. And that's when I realized, okay, what are we up against in this story? Um, and that, that became a collaboration. A year later, we've just now published our book.
1: Well, that's a warp speed book uh, to get it done in a year as complicated as this is it it was just really a w- wonderful team with your writing and analysis ability and the background that Dr. McCullough has and yep. his in yep. the trenches experience with this. And
5: Marty, it has so many different elements to it, um, not only my perspectives as a doctor as I was Uh, learning how to treat the illness. My father develops COVID. Uh, We have some really gripping uh, chapters on patients, what they've been through uh, in terms of surviving the illness, uh, how we struggled and and in many ways scrambled for early treatment, and then uh, sadly some patients who don't make it. So I think everybody who's listening, who's had the illness themselves, have seen family members have it, and who's been through this? I think they're going to be able to read this and have a lot of relatedness to their own personal lives at what's happened. But I think it will open their eyes to a much bigger, in a sense, organized crime that's going on.
1: I would say I was so glad that you have background in forensics because I think there really is a there's a criminal aspect to this, and the folks who had loved ones lost after they read that. I think the first thing that comes to mind is lawsuit. They're going to want to sue somebody because it's just so wrong what happened. And for our listeners, if you're new to Healthy by Nature, I will put links in the archive description of today's show to at least one of the previous interviews that Dr. McCullough did with us where he explained what the medications were that were effective and were blocked, and um, how hospitals just ignored what would be the protocol, correct me if I'm wrong, but the protocol for any other infectious disease would be, let's get at it quickly. Let's. If there's not a spot on medication specifically for that, then what's the closest thing we have that's approved and we've had experience with that treats various aspects of it, and that that usual plan was not only not used, it was actively blocked. And that's where the part, I think that starts to raise suspicions that there was something, some grand design behind this that did not have the public health in mind.
5: What John outlines in the book is, a key concept is called the duty to treat. You can explain that more.
4: Um, One thing that, I discovered in my conversations with Dr. McCullough and then he directed me to some other reading and, um, is that when we, when we're infected with a viral illness, you know, our, our thought is, is that the virus itself is going to affect everybody in more or less the same way. We're all a human organism and the virus, we're all going to respond the same. But the thing that Dr. McCullough has emphasized is that people's bodies will react quite differently. Some people will get into deep trouble with it. There's um, an immune response that can be pathological. We talk about cytokine storm. We talk about blood clotting, all of this kind of stuff. So um, even if you, as a treating physician, don't necessarily understand everything there is to know about the, the virus itself, there are still things that, become evident in the in the uh, reaction to the virus, like blood clotting, cytokine storm, pulmonary inflammation, that are treatable. We know how to treat this. And there is a duty. You recognize something. You've seen this before in a clinical setting. Get on it. Treat it um, the best that you can. Um, then we get into this recognition pretty early that there seems to be Various agents, hydroxychloroquine became kind of the lightning rod. That do have antiviral properties and anti-inflammatory properties. They've been around for a long time. Um, they have very well-known safety profiles. Um, if you're talking about people in a high-risk group, there is a duty to treat them. And and you know, I come out of this as a true crime author. And through some of my work, particularly my second book. I became intimately familiar with a peculiar aspect of criminal law. It's not murder. Murder, there has to, you have to meet the standard of intention to kill. Like you point a gun at somebody and pull the trigger, you know they're going to die. It's called negligent homicide. What negligent homicide describes is you know that if you don't take a certain action to help somebody or to avoid a certain danger that there's a high, a high probability that it's just a person of common sense, the, the legal term is ordinary prudence, if I don't do this and I have a duty to do it, then there's a high probability they will suffer grave harm or death. If you can meet that evidentiary standard, then you're guilty of negligent homicide So when we talk about withholding medications from people who are sick and they're within that high-risk group, it became apparent to me that although we are speaking about probabilities, there really isn't substantially a big difference between that and a situation, for example, in which someone falls overboard in high seas and cold water and you just opt not to throw a life ring to them. You could say, well... You know, boy, it's like twelve foot seas, and that guy can't swim very well. I there's no sense in throwing him a life ring. I can't know in advance that it will necessarily save him. He'll probably die of hypothermia anyway. So why even bother? And this is what I this was my starting point for my inquiry. It looks to me that. Well, we haven't proved the efficacy of these drugs 100%. We need another double-blind, placebo, randomized, controlled trial in order to prove efficacy 100%. And then I began to realize this: this is not, this is not, a plausible assertion. You you have to try to help people, and so this is just an absolute catastrophic failure of our public health system. And it's remarkable to me that Dr. McCullough is one of the few really high-ranking academic doctors in this country, just a handful, who said, I have to try to do something for my patients. Um, it's, it's, I, I'm, I continue to be stunned by this story. Um, it, it, every morning I wake up, it, it, it still just amazes me.
1: And what amazes me and saddens me is that for his intelligence and bravery and commitment to to patients and compassion, that not only was Dr. McCullough not rewarded, he was punished severely for stepping out of line with the approved protocol, which didn't include treating patients. Um, As I said many times on this show, it makes no sense to me to get a positive diagnosis and say, okay, here's the plan. You go home and get sick enough that you need to be hospitalized, then come back and see us and we'll do some things that will probably kill you. I mean, what a plan. And when there was a much better plan available, but only those willing to risk their medical license... Were the ones that talked about it, and uh, Dr. McCullough did not hide whatsoever. Anywhere he could find an audience to spread that word and save lives, he did it, and we are forever grateful. We'll be right back with more. Stay with us. Healthy by Nature.
6: Do your current probiotics offer diversity? The primary goal of your probiotics is to help create and maintain a healthy gut microbiome. We often think more is better. But taking high doses of 50 or 100 billion probiotics can work against you. The most important factor is diversity, not quantity. Look for a formula that has multiple strains of probiotic flora expertly fermented to contain postbiotic metabolites, which have been shown to help digestive and immune health, our gut brain function, and more. The worldwide leader in fermented postbiotic health? Dr. O'Hara's probiotics, the number one probiotics in the world for direct delivery of postbiotics. Dr. O'Hara's probiotics uses a multi-year fermentation with 12 proven probiotic strains producing over 500 postbiotic metabolites, certified vegetarian, and free of gluten, allergens, and GMOs. So say no to quantity and yes to diversity. Dr. O'Hara's probiotics are available online and at natural health retailers nationwide.
1: I'm your host, Marty Whittakin. As a certified clinical nutritionist, I believe the most expensive supplements you can buy is one that doesn't work. When nutrition expert Bill Sardi wanted a multivitamin that reflected the latest science, he had to create one. Bill aimed to improve his health with the most advanced dosages and better absorbed forms of vitamin C, D, E, B vitamins, zinc, and selenium. Those forms are not provided in ordinary multivitamins. Luckily, Mr. Sardi made molecular multi available to all of us. It's so very complete that most people can cut several bottles from their program and actually save money. I get one bottle free when I buy three, and so can you. If your budget needs even more help, I'm pretty sure that half a dose of Molecular Multi will provide health benefits superior to a full dose of any other product. Visit the sponsor page of HBNshow.com or go to LifespanNutrition.com or call 800-247-5731, 800-247-5731. It's a long-standing tradition to give our
2: homes a more
1: thorough cleaning
2: in the spring and fall.
1: But you may not have
2: thought about this. Our bodies also accumulate unwanted gunk over time. Toxins bombard us from the air, food, water, and even from skincare products. Toxins that don't leave the body are promptly stored in cells where they can gum up the works. We want to encourage them to leave. But most products called detoxifiers are little more than laxatives. They're not much help for removing wastes from cells and tissues like the liver. The synergistic blend of herbs in Lily of the Desert's Herbal Detox Formula works gently in several ways to target toxins wherever they hide. Studies show that an important proprietary ingredient, Lily's Aloe Vera Concentrate, Aloe Zorb, reduces blood levels of the toxins ammonia, nitrates, and free radicals by 40% or more. Lily of the Desert products are available at most natural food stores nationwide link to Lily from the sponsor page of radiomarty.com and please like Lily of the Desert on Facebook
0: Dr. Hero's Probiotics has been a proud sponsor of the Healthy by Nature show for well over a decade
1: I welcomed Peter McCullough MD but I didn't really do a proper introduction There are a whole lot of initials after his name. I won't go through all of them, but after MD and MPH, there are one, two, three, four, five, six other sets. He's an internist, a cardiologist, epidemiologist, the editor of medical journals. He has been a medical school professor and held prestigious positions until COVID turned the world upside down. He's been a very brave leader in the medical response to COVID-19 and provided motivation and guidance to the doctors who were willing to step out of the shadows and do what needed to be done. And he's been on, I think, any media worth being on, The Hill, America Outline, Out Loud, ABC, Fox News, Newsmax, Victory Channel, and anybody that like I say, where he could get an audience. He's traveled across the country at his own expense to attend conventions where he could get a lot of ears to hear. And he testified for the U.S. Senate and Senate committees and Texas state uh, congressional committees and so on. And there he had people who knew what he was saying was true, but— either didn't have the wherewithal or the courage to do what was right to follow that up. So um, change, I still don't see it. Am I missing something?
5: I think it's happening. You know, I'm coming up on going to nearly 50 cities across the United States, giving programs for uh, doctors, lawmakers, and then big public programs, hundreds if not thousands of people have come. We've seen great changes in the state of Kansas. They now have uh, legislation fully backing doctors on using uh, repurposed generic drugs, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, budesonide, uh, prednisone, other drugs. Uh, they have um, now legislation of fully backing patients on getting exemptions from uh, vaccine uh, mandates. There are now very close uh, legislation moving along in Tennessee and in New Hampshire to get ivermectin over-the-counter. Uh, We're starting to see more use of Paxilvoid, the new Pfizer oral drug, uh, monoclonal antibodies. I had a patient yesterday here in Dallas, who's very sick with COVID, uh, got monoclonal antibodies. Uh, I think our message is is coming through, but we still don't have broad uh, health system, uh, state, regional, or uh, U.S. federal support for comprehensive early treatment. You know, every single hospital and health center Ought to have an outpatient treatment program. Patients getting sick with COVID ought to be able to get multiple drugs in a regimen and treat this at home.
1: And the government knows how to make that happen because the current plan, they incentivized with money, and so it was widely adopted, remdesivir, and and uh, if you declared—I mean, I've read this multiple times, and I have no reason to believe I just dreamt it up— that. Hospitals, if they declared somebody a COVID patient, even if they came in from a motorcycle accident, if they tested positive, then they got more money for treating that patient and a lot more money if they used remdesivir and more money if they used a ventilator.
5: It's called perverse incentives. Uh, In 2020, remdesivir was very carefully reviewed by the World Health Organization, which did their largest trial. They held a giant consensus conference. They had ethicists, researchers, critical care doctors. They all agree remdesivir caused more deaths, more kidney injury and liver injury, and should not be used in sick, inpatient COVID patients. European Society of Critical Care agreed. This is in 2020. The US never followed that advice. And about 25% of Americans are still receiving remdesivir too late. There's only one positive randomized trial for remdesivir. It was done by Gottlieb, who's the first author here in Dallas. And uh, in fact, it's given very early. So if remdesivir could be given very early in serial infusions, it would have a role. It's logistically too hard to do. And honestly, we have monoclonal antibodies. We have Paxilvoid, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine, other drugs. We really don't need remdesivir as an outpatient IV infusion.
1: And... Uh, they're almost allergic to mentioning zinc or vitamin D or any nutraceutical. Uh, And you have to assume it's because they're not patentable. And that may be the problem with these uh, long-used drugs like hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin. if the patents are no longer profitable, then it just, that's, the money seems to make the system work.
5: But, you know, I, I think I first said this publicly when I went on Tucker Carlson, his long program. I said, I think it's bigger than that. I think the suppression of treatment, everything from nasal washes to nutraceuticals to oral drugs, I think is actually all intentionally promoting fear, suffering, hospitalization, and death in order to set the real agenda, and that is to get everyone vaccinated a needle in every arm.
1: And to it would appear to a layperson to develop dependence on the government and to increase their power. I, I see a nodding head over there, John.
4: Yes, we carefully examine this and put it on a timeline. Timelines are very useful within an investigation. You really plot out the first public policy pronouncements and the mainstream media messaging. And what what we discovered very quickly was, I mean, no sooner had SARS-CoV-2 arrived on our shore, there was a two-pronged message. The first was categorically from the outset, there's no treatment. All we can do now is shelter in place, socially distance, isolate, so-called non-essential. And I, I actually owned a non-essential business it was kind of essential to me um but it was non-essential to our, our our bureaucrats it would seem anyway um shelter in place nothing works which was a remarkable assertion i mean by by their own assertion it's a novel infectious disease so how do you know that nothing works i mean it's impossible for you to to con- so confidently make that assertion and the next assertion is, um, uh, wait for the vaccine. And already on March the 16th, 2020, I mean, five days after it was declared a pandemic, lo and behold, the NIAID and Moderna have a vaccine that they're starting their human trial on, already and and on March the 16th, and you think, well, you guys have been working on this for a while. I mean, this thing wasn't even sequenced.
1: Clairvoyant, until- yes. Yeah,
4: it wasn't even sequenced until um, January the twenty eighth. I think it was the 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 sequence was published. So it became apparent, and this became our starting point for our, our inquiry. It appears that this categorical suppression of any anything that could offer any help or hope for treatment was always framed within nothing works however a vaccine is is on the way and but even beyond that the only thing that will allow us to go back to the normal that we have long known will be when not only when the vaccine is available but only when every man woman and child on earth receives it so no stratification of you know certain populations are more vulnerable than that. just everyone has to have it. And the foremost spokesman of this of this proposition was was Bill Gates. Um, I mean, and I think it was early April, April the third, I believe. He wrote an op ed in the Washington Post. He then gave interviews with Trevor Noah at CNN. He wrote on his Gates Notes blog, and it's he repeats it like a mantra that. The only thing that will allow us to go back to normal will be a vaccine. My foundation is working on one. We're the primary, we're the foremost investor in vaccine development on earth. Um, And as soon as that vaccine is is ready, he actually goes even one step further, which is remarkable. We're not going to wait for testing. We're not going to wait for the test results. We're going to ramp up production immediately and move forward with the presumption that something is going to work. It's like failure is not an option. The vaccine, at least one of them will work. So we're going to get this thing into production now. The train's leaving the station now. We'll examine the trial data when that is forthcoming. You realize um, this thing is like this massive machine, and this man It just flipped the switch on it, and it's in motion now. And we can stay home and and wait for the final result. This is just absolutely extraordinary if if you really take three steps back and look at it. And that's what we've done, and we've put it on a timeline. and, And I think the reader, when he sees that unfolding in time, will understand what's happened here.
1: And doesn't the timeline go back even further to like two, seven, 2017 and so on when there w- everything yes. seemed to be kind of gearing up in so, so, this direction?
4: So uh, it's important for people to understand um, these guys that come out of a business setting. And, and obviously Bill Gates was for a long time the, 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 re- the wealthiest man on earth he's, I believe now the second wealthiest man on earth now. Um, um, so these guys come out of a business setting and what they realized long ago is, is that this vaccine business as a monolithic, monolithic monopolistic approach to public health, they've been working on this for a long time. Um, he built, um, Bill Gates declared in 2010 that the next decade will be the decade of vaccines. Um, nine years later, January meeting of the World Economic Forum in Davos, he announced a squawk box. You know, We made 20X return on our investment, 10 billion in vaccines, we've made 200 billion. So we're just getting started. And that I think will show the way to what happened in 2020.
1: Just amazing, and the fact that uh, maybe when we come back we can talk about your next book, which may be about the World Health Organization and what's coming down the line. And if we think we're experiencing a lot of censorship now, wait until we don't even ha- the U.S. doesn't even have control of it anymore. It's a scary, scary thought. My guest, Peter McCullough, MD, and award-winning. Author John Leak will be right back after these words. Please stay with us. This is Healthy by Nature. My name is Marty Whittakin.
7: The pursuit of a healthy immune system is so important for our long-term health. And being healthy for the long term is everyone's goal, right? So which immune health supplement is recommended for those who also have cardiovascular concerns? Kyolic Aged Garlic Extract.
8: Hello, Healthy by Nature fans, this is Doug Kaufman. You know, I've been a fan of Marty Whittakin's radio show for over a decade, and Marty's been a frequent guest on my television show called Know the Cause. Marty discusses issues and solutions from one perspective, and as many of you know, I have chosen the road less traveled, the road that teaches us about mold, mildew, and fungus, and the poisons that fungi make. The problem with fungus, however, is deeper because our doctors don't really learn much about it in medical training. Well, little skin problems, vaginal yeast, seborrheic dermatitis, but that's about it. Yeah. They don't really understand this fungus can grow in the lungs, and the kidney, and the liver, even in our brains and on our skin. That's what I delve into on my TV show called Know The Cause. You can visit me on knowthecause.com, or if you have a question twice a week now, I have a platform on my own website, knowthecausetoo. So many of you have questions about mold, mildew, and fungus. That's what Know the Cause 2 and the TV show Know the Cause are all about.
9: Like so many gifts, we may not fully appreciate eyesight until it starts to fade. The macula at the back of the eye provides high-resolution focus and color vision. Sadly, free radicals, also known as oxidants, often degenerate those delicate tissues. Blue light from video screens, LED lighting, and the sun are common sources of oxidant stress. Studies show that the plant antioxidants lutein and zeaxanthin specifically support macula health. Unfortunately, many products don't contain useful quantities of them. As you would expect, jaro's macula protective Factors supplement contains the serious levels of lutein and zeaxanthin that were used in the studies macula protective factors also contains the antioxidant astaxanthin known to promote circulation and blood vessel health jaro uses only the highest quality trademark sources of these three powerful antioxidants visit jaro.com that's j-a-r-r-o-w for the very best in eye health formulas ask for macula protective factors at your favorite natural food store
1: Every home and office should have one and it would make a terrific gift. Who doesn't at least occasionally have a sore throat or stiff joint, congested sinuses, a rash or injury? You might just want to strengthen your eyes or ears. Save with the code HBNLAMP. Click products on the menu of the HBNshow.com website for details or call Phil at 626-200-8454. 626-200-8454.
0: Subscribe to Marty's free newsletter at the Healthy by Nature Show website, hbnshow.com. hbnshow.com.
1: I have in my hand this wonderful book, The Courage to Face COVID-19. Preventing hospitalization and death while battling the biopharmaceutical complex. I think we need to tease out that one word. Biopharmaceutical complex, that phrase.
4: I I started with this basic understanding that it, how how to start. You you get these complexes. My 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 starting point was really Eisenhower's farewell address, President Eisenhower's farewell address in 1961. In which he, uh, you know, a military man himself, he was the supreme Allied commander in the Second World War. He warned about the rise of what he called a military-industrial complex, and it's it's a very clearly defined idea that you have this complex of defense industry, finance guys, people in the government procurement department of defense, Pentagon, and They have an entrenched interest in maintaining a high threat level in a military context, because if that high threat level is diminished by diplomacy or or some other form uh, approach to communications, to, to trying to diffuse conflict in the world, then all of these interests, jobs, money, the, the, the whole existence of this complex will be imperiled if that threat level is diminished, either real or perceived. And what we began to observe is that a, a very similar state of affairs has developed in what we call the biopharmaceutical complex. Now the threat is not from other countries with military capability. The threat is from emerging infectious diseases. So there becomes a, I mean, we, we need a biopharmaceutical complex to develop therapies to deal with public health, um, emerging public health problems. But the, the trouble is precisely, as Eisenhower pointed out in the military setting, there's such a deep, enormous, entrenched interest in maintaining the threat level because of the vast amount of jobs Money, patronage, investment—that um, it's you—you it, you develop what we outline as a perverse incentive. It's—it's it's like we begin to realize every time there's a threat, of, you know, a bio threat, then this immediately triggers billions, if not trillions, of government money to flow to these industries and partnerships. So now we you know, we're we're seeing. And
1: if I could interrupt a second, justifies taking more power.
4: Correct. I mean, and and ultimately, you know, we kind of come to the conclusion that far more so than a human military threat. um, I mean, we've this sort of ambition, aspiration for ever greater centralized power. People of Eisenhower himself long talked about fear of military invasion or attack from a foreign power. What we've discovered is that Military adventurism is, is really an extremely messy and inefficient way of imposing centralized control. It's the fear of an infectious disease pandemic, which has really provided this astonishing, you know, lockstep. Every single nation on earth will, will respond, can't can be induced to respond in the exact same way. And the central command structure is this biopharmaceutical complex that, you know, we have the know-how, we have the technology. This thing is spreading throughout the earth. It's going to affect every man, woman, and child, and we have the solution. So you need to give us the money, and you need to listen to us and execute the pandemic response that we are dictating, and that we've been formulating in our business plan and there is a business plan you know, for years. So what we see when SARS-CoV-2 arrives in the United States is it, it activates a pandemic response based on these international partnerships, Bill Gates Foundation and the World Economic Forum being two principles. I just
1: thought of an analogy. It's kind of like the response is the same as when the immune system gets carried away and causes the cytokine storm. Yes, there was a threat, but there's an overreaction and perceived need for, you know, just colossal response.
4: It's it's a good metaphor, but um, the point that I think we've arrived at or the conclusion is that this is a very deliberate overreaction. I mean, in, in propaganda, the role of propaganda and censorship, is a big part of this book, that mass perception um, and sentiment is being relentlessly shaped by these well-tried-and-true propaganda methods. And this this is a big part of the biopharmaceutical complex, is communications and propaganda.
1: And snuffing out what's perceived as disinformation without a proper... Investigation of who the people are and what their motives are that are deciding what is true and what is not true. It's
5: it's really snuffing out of correct scientific information. That's actually what's happened. You know, when I've uh, published papers and analyzed data uh, in the highest of all circles, you know, under sworn testimony, I've been fact checked by anonymous, almost certainly uncredentialed individuals out there who put forward false counterclaims. So these fact checkers are actually putting false counterclaims out against an authoritative analysis. Uh, And we've seen this go on. What's happening is this type of biopharmaceutical complex uh, takeover is reliant on fear. They must have a contagion of fear in the population, and they're using propaganda to harness and drive this contagion of fear.
1: I wish we had two hours to dig into this. Unfortunately, we don't. And I do want to get just a little bit of an update. I I mentioned the World Health Organization, and from what I'm gathering from the news, their plan is to, we thought it was bad enough to have the U.S. government trying to control everything, but what if an organization that we've been given no good reason to respect the world health organization wants to take over even what our government can do is this the direction it's heading and that they're planning to censor disinformation from on high
4: certainly this is the culmination of of what we have been studying for the last two well the last year since we've been working together it's a, it is an aspiration for a centralized global government. In you know, All of these nation states and their various constitutional structures of, of national sovereignty and jurisprudence, we, we want to supersede that. We want to have a centralized government. I, I think it's so interesting how much of the action happens in Switzerland, you know, which is this neutral... Alpine sort of uh, you know fortress sort of nation that is always kept out of these crazy conflicts in Europe. It's a banking center in Europe. The World Health Organization's uh, you know uh, headquarters, where they're going to convene in a couple of weeks, is Geneva, Switzerland. So it's really kind of a perfect place to set up a global a global government. Looks so innocent. Um. Yeah. And. You know, this is where the World Economic Forum. I mean, um, they their headquarters is in Switzerland as well. Klaus Schwab, the chairman, he's he's a German, but he's he's um, now a resident. He's long been a resident of of Switzerland. So it's it's this um, very strange. It's almost out of an Ian Fleming novel that we have this ambition to rule the world. And and I don't state that with exaggeration. It is an ambition to rule the world. The World Economic Forum plainly states this. They speak of a world crisis providing an opportunity to reset the way mankind goes about living and, and conducting business. It's out in the open. The World Health Organization, particularly its director, uh, I think is just a front organization for for these far more organized, capitalized, um, extremely effective um, empire-building individuals.
1: The evidence is all there, plain to see, but people just don't want to believe it could be true.
4: People don't see what is out in the open. They they don't, there's a strange psychology, interestingly enough, that there was a Swiss playwright. We keep going back to Switzerland. Switzerland is a fascinating country. The Swiss um, playwright Max Frisch wrote a play in 1953 called Biedermann and the Arsonists. He was very interested in how did Germany, probably the most civilized country on earth, become, um, swept up in this Third Reich insanity in the 30s? How did Europe Europe's intelligentsia get swept up in this um, crazy communist uh, intellectual construct in in the 40s and, and early 50s? So he, he wrote this book, Biedermann and the Arsonists, in which he, he really t- nails this psychology. If it's out in the open, if it's plainly apparent, for some reason we have a hard time seeing it.
1: Yeah. Really, Well, we, when we come back, we will just have to have a little snippet of time, but I, I wanted to at least bring up two thoughts. One, I want to go on a cruise, they don't want to let me, um, and monkeypox. So folks stay tuned, a little bit more, but important stuff to come here on Healthy by Nature. My guest, Peter McCullough, M.D., and John Leek, an acclaimed author who's done a really good job as a true crime novelist in looking at her true crime writer. I guess if there's true crime, it's not really a novel um, of investigating this mess that we've been through for the last couple of years. We'll be right back. This is Healthy by Nature. I'm your host, Marty Whittakin. Delighted to be with you today.
10: Call 800-507-6509 today.
6: Dr. O'Hara's probiotics. We put the power in probiotics. We were the first to emphasize the importance of postbiotic metabolites in creating and maintaining the biodiversity of flora in the gut microbiome for optimal digestion, gut-brain, immune, and hormonal health. Multi-year fermentation is key in producing the postbiotic metabolites that are found in exceptional probiotics like Dr. O'Hara's probiotics. Healthy fruits and vegetables are fermented, resulting in over 500 postbiotic metabolites for optimum digestive and immune support. So don't rely on a simple claim that the product has 50 billion or more cfus that is not the hallmark of how to gauge a powerful probiotic instead look for diversity look for fermentation look for postbiotics look for dr o'hara's probiotics dr o'hara's probiotics are certified vegetarian and free of gluten allergens and gmos get dr o'hara's probiotics today at fine health retailers everywhere and online
2: Any dentist can drill and fill cavities, make crowns, and whiten teeth. But did you know there is a type of dental practice that focuses on your overall health? Dr. Philip R. Koslow is what natural health experts recommend, a holistic or biological dentist. Dr. Koslow has long been a mercury-free dentist, but he has also practiced safe amalgam removal for 15 years following the guidelines of the International Academy of Oral Medicine and Toxicology. It is also an important health factor that Dr. Koslow uses only responsibly restorative materials that are free of toxins and compatible with your unique chemistry. He offers low-dose digital radiography and strives to make the office friendly to the environment. Dr. Kozlo's staff is exceptionally skilled and caring. His relaxing and inviting office is conveniently located in North Dallas off the tollway. Follow the Kozlo link on the sponsor page of hbnshow.com or call for an appointment at 972-458-2464. That's 972-458-2464.
0: Sign up for podcasts or listen to past programs on our website, hbnshow.com, hbnshow.com.
1: I have been privileged to have in the studio the authors of this terrific book, The Courage to Face COVID-19. Preventing Hospitalization and Death While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex answers a lot of the questions that we have had over the last um, painful months. The authors, John Leake and Peter McCullough, M.D., we will do this again because we really have opened the can of worms, but we want to take a closer look, and we will do that. But I did promise my husband I would ask, what can you do when the cruise lines demand uh, full vaccination before you can get on. That was looking forward to a cruise that kept me going a lot of times.
5: You know, there have been numerous cruises where everyone is fully vaccinated on it, and there's outbreaks of SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19. So it's obvious the vaccines don't work. Not everybody can take a vaccine. There should be a fair exemption process for this.
1: Yes, well, maybe they will catch on if it starts hurting business. We can only hope... And the latest grief in the news is monkeypox. Tell us what we need to know about that. Monkeypox
5: is an orthopox virus. It's related to smallpox. It uh, has always had a steady number of cases in the central African Congo basin, Uh, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 cases. It's been going on for decades. It's a pustular type of uh, illness where a lot of close facial contact, people with blisters. They look like giant chickenpox. Uh, where they That's how they pass it to one another. It has a long latency phase of several weeks. And uh, what's really disturbing is that uh, the Munich Security um, Initiative, along with the um, uh, Nuclear Threat Initiative, had a tabletop exercise in March of 2021 where they said there's going to be an intentional release of monkeypox as a bioterrorism attack. And on their timeline, they listed the release date of the virus as being May 15th, 2022. And it's almost on the day exactly do we start hearing about monkeypox cases. Currently, the release today is 80 cases worldwide. Um, This seems so contrived. Uh, The cases are occurring. Uh, in individuals emanating out of Africa, what you need to know is there is an FDA approved treatment called Tpox or Ticoviramat. It's an oral drug, very effective in stopping this illness. People who've had the smallpox vaccine, age 50 or over, should have some protection. And the U.S. has now purchased 13 million doses of a previously unutilized smallpox vaccine.
1: Aha. Uh-huh. Well, I guess the whole pandemic panic needed a booster shot, and this looks like it.
5: Right, just to correct, they've uh, um, purchased 13 million doses of a monkeypox vaccine from a company in Oregon, but it does seem contrived. I don't think Americans should have a wave of fear now. Let's let this be handled by the, hopefully, the correct authorities.
1: And stay away from monkeys. Healthy
0: by Nature is sponsored in part by Lily of the Desert Alloceuticals.
11: Your host, Marty Wittekin, has a new book, The Probiotic Cure. It contains big surprises, especially for anyone who thought that probiotics were just for regularity. For example, the subtitle of the book is A Guide to Overcoming Allergies, Gum Disease, GERD, Colds, Flus, Colitis, Fatigue, Cholesterol, IBS, Constipation, Diabetes, Excess Weight, Psoriasis, Sinus Infection, Crohn's, and more. <laughs> wow! Marty condensed a virtual flood of scientific research into entertaining lay terms that help explain why individuals. individuals. Individuals react so differently to medications, foods, and diseases. It turns out that our bacteria are a crucial part of our body's basic instruction manual. The Probiotic Cure is a practical guide to avoiding bad bacteria and protecting yourself by supporting the good guys. The book is also packed with science based advice on general health and answers to common health complaints. The Probiotic Cure is available from most booksellers and is competitively priced on healthworksmart.com or call 877 673 2536.